1: Now, ladies and gentlemen, here's DA.
2: And a happy Tuesday to you, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us. Coming up this hour on the show in 30 minutes. The latest on Northwestern with Dennis Dodd, college football writer for CBS Sports. In 45 minutes, do the Blazers owe Dame Lillard better than to have him hanging on. Keep me hanging on for multiple months. I'm sitting back here and watching some highlights of old Major League Baseball All-Star games. Tonight is the Major League Baseball All-Star game from Seattle. And I'm just thinking how unique an individual Pete Rose is. And whenever it is that he does pass, the obits and the memories will be so extraordinarily unique. Unlike anybody that's ever Donned a uniform in sports. I was just watching the highlight of him in 1970 bowl over Ray Fossey at home plate. And it is the indelible image of Pete Rose as a player. Here is an exhibition game. He's a rounding third. The relay throw comes home. Fossey is standing there at home plate. And Pete Rose kind of stumbles a little bit. But lays waste to him and breaks up the play and scores the run. And this is indicative of two things. It is why it lives in lore forever for baseball fans. It is indicative of a time when the game mattered, the all-star game mattered. Everybody will always cite the, remember, Pete Rose ran over Ray Fossey. That is part of it. And it's a reminder of when things for a lot of people in sports, remember it meaning more. Before the money got crazy, the television got crazy, et cetera. The celebrity got crazy. And then the second part is that is indicative. It is a a symbol of how much Pete Rose cared. That even in a game that didn't matter, he was willing to sacrifice his body, the ultimate gamer. And so that moment checks boxes of things that people from that era or the surrounding eras hold on to and cherish. Guys that really cared at a time where things mattered. Ray Fossey's career was never the same. He was never the same catcher because he got injured in an all-star game because a guy rounded third and crashed into him. Pete Rose went on to become the hit king. So when we talk about Pete Rose and his place in American sports history and baseball history and whether he's in the hall of fame, deserves to be in the hall of fame, banned for betting, now betting is legalized, et cetera. You have to remember that you can't extract Pete Rose without understanding the people that defend him, connect him to a time of something that, that they feel has been lost in many ways. So he's all of those things. He's also a multi-time champion, part of one of the great teams of all time. You could argue he's part of the greatest modern team of all time, the Big Red Machine of the 1970s. Then you add on to it, he has more hits than anybody ever. So aside from the home run record, which is tainted, let's face it, he holds the second most significant record in baseball and arguably one of the five most important records in all of sports. So he has that. I mean, undeniably, he is one of the greatest hitters ever, and by simple tally of hits, the greatest hitter ever. So now you've combined those two things and say, well, he's obviously a legend. He's more than a legend. And then you wrap that in degenerate gambler, a guy that is, how do you even put it mildly, has lived a life kind of on the edges of tackiness and illegality and just, you know, do you want Pete Rose to be your uncle? No. Do you want your Pete Rose hanging out with your niece? No. Do you want Pete Rose teaching your son anything? No. Do you want Pete Rose to be your dad? No. Like, Pete Rose, do you want her to be anything but just like this great baseball player? No. You would just never trust him in any situation, even though I gave Joe DiMaggio a shower. <laughs>
1: I gave Joe DiMaggio a shower.
3: I don't know how in the hell he hit 56 straight games carrying that thing around.
2: And he's disgraced. You know, he's disgraced. He shows up in Cooperstown. He does his autograph signings that's kind of like a rogue autograph signing that everybody knows you're not really supposed to be on the sidewalk here. You're not really supposed to be in this lobby. But nobody can deny how great of a hitter he was and how he's kind of deserving of the honor anyway. But he's kind of an embarrassment and kind of tawdry and soiled. And But then, you know, he does the Vegas thing and you kind of know that Pete Rose is is all of these things. And it just reminded me of all of that as I was watching the clip of him in the 1970
1: All-Star game. I don't know how in the hell
3: he hit 56 straight games carrying that thing around.
4: I like how your Pete Rose sounds like Casey Kasem. Were you here the last time we did this? No.
2: Oh. You were out, and so we did the same exact bit. (laughs) How I did the impersonation, and everybody said it sounds exactly like Casey Kasem. (laughs) And then I went into Casey Kasem doing Pete Rose long-distance dedications.
4: (laughs) (laughs) I I think that's my favorite one,
1: the Casey Kasem. I've seen the Yankee Clippers. Clipper. Joe DiMaggio a shower. (laughs) Nothing beats that. I saw Joe's D.
4: (laughs) (laughs) I saw Joe's Mr. Coffee.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And I could see why Marilyn was so smitten. (laughs) It's now time for our long-distance dedication. This comes to us from Pete in Cincinnati. Who writes... Casey, I hit more hits than anybody in baseball history. However, somebody that I don't like very much named Bud has kept me out of a very exclusive club. <laughs> can, you, can you please play for me, Wilson Phillips? <laughs> <laughs> and then, let me give you... Is <laughs> Sounds like a South Park riff. It totally does. Well, Pete, this is for you. It's Wilson Phillips' hit song from 1990.
0: Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> keep your feet on the ground.
1: Keep reaching for the stars. And
2: keep washing <laughs> the naked body of the hit kings. <laughs> This, by the way, is such a good song. It's still such a good song. Every time I hear the 90s on 9 on Sirius, I'm just like, yes,
5: rock out, Wilson Phillips. Is it
6: really fair to feel this way inside? Oh, someday somebody's gonna make you want to turn around and say goodbye. Until then, baby, are you gonna let them hold you down and make you cry? Don't you know, don't you know, things will change. Things will go your If you're Hold on for one more day Can you hold on for one more day? Will your way.
0: Hold
2: on for one more day hey this song is so good they rock and I was listening to it not long ago and thought there's a lyric in there that you actually can't say anymore or else you would kind of get canceled I don't know about canceled. well, You'd be criticized highly. And it's the line where it's like you got yourself into this mess, right? They say that. There's that line. And I was thinking, you know, you're kind of not allowed to say that anymore. I don't know what this hold on song is about. Is it about a bad relationship, an abusive relationship, a dead end job? You looked around one day, you had no career and three kids and you were divorced or something or you're 10 times overweight or whatever that is. And in the song, of course, it's like an empowering song, hold on, push through, you'll see the other side, which is great and inspirational, but there is a lyric in there where there it's like, you got yourself into this. I'm like, I, I don't know if you're allowed to say that anymore.
6: You can't say you got yourself into this or the lyric that follows, or are you paraphrasing? Well, did you find the lyric? I know. I have no idea. I'm an idiot. I don't know. Tell me what what's the lyric before it.
2: I have to find this.
6: Because I got the lyrics pulled up. Is it in the chorus? No. Are you going to let him hold you okay, down here and make is. you
2: cry? You've got no one to blame for your unhappiness. You got yourself into your own mess. Are you allowed to say that anymore? You have no one to blame for your unhappiness. You got yourself into your own mess. I, I think those are things that are have become scary to say. People, you know, people don't want to hear that. People don't want to hear that they dug their own grave, that they they built their own mess. They want to hear that it was somebody else's fault. It was situations above and beyond their control. We all have more empathy for people's dire situations now. Like, we don't know what the song Hold On is about. But if it was about someone who was on drugs... Okay, and they were a drug addict, would you be allowed to say you got yourself into your own mess? If it was about somebody who found themselves homeless, living in a shelter, would you be allowed to say anymore you got yourself into your own mess? If they were in an abusive relationship, are you allowed to say, hey, you got yourself into the own, your own mess, you picked the wrong guy and he's beating you? Are you allowed to say that? I don't know. I, I think it depends on how
6: close you are with that person. Can Wilson Phillips say that to... The listeners? Yes. Yes. Well, they can always just claim it was about my sister who was in an abusive relationship and I told, we told her multiple times, get out of it.
2: Maybe. I think that you would have to rethink that lyric.
4: They're saying that this song is uh, a song of encouragement addressed to a person who is going through some rough
2: times. So, I love this song. Of course, because it rocks. But of course, it also has an awesome theme, which is, like you said, encouragement, fight through it. But I also love that they inserted into this, you've got no one to blame. Don't blame anybody else. You got yourself into the mess. Now you dig it out. Yeah, what I'm seeing here is they
4: there's some tough love in the song, but also plenty of compassion.
2: Right. That's what's per, That's. It's 80-20 here. It's 80% compassion, but 20% tough love, which I think is a great mix. I just don't know if in today's day and age, who would be the equivalent of Wilson Phillips these days? You can't say Taylor Swift because she's not quite wise enough to be able to do this, but let's just say Taylor Swift. Can Taylor Swift have 20% tough love to the girls that listen to her? Like, hey, could Taylor Swift ever tell Swifties you got yourself into your own mess? No. I think she could tell them to jump off a bridge and they would. But but she would get crushed. But but I, she would get crushed publicly for telling girls that were sad or in bad situations. You've got nobody to blame but yourself. I can see a Carrie Underwood saying that. You know, say, saying okay, maybe Underwood might, but would Underwood also catch flack for that?
6: Possibly, right? Possibly. And once you use the Taylor Swift comparison, I mean, you do got, you do have a point.
2: You kind of can't tell the public anymore. You screwed up, right? Unless you committed a crime. Then you're allowed to tell people that you screwed up. But you run the risk of being judgy, I guess is my point. You
4: actually, you're actually, It's actually encouraged to screw up, and then the rebound.
2: And then you fall forward. In right. 1990, you can tell people, you screwed up, fix it. In 2023, you're kind of not allowed to be judgy anymore.
4: Try telling our folks
6: that.
2: (laughs) And there is 15 minutes on Pete Rose, Casey Kasem, and Wilson Phillips (laughs) Holder.
6: (laughs) You can't get that anywhere else. (laughs) You never know what you're walking
2: into. When we come back, we'll talk about the future of this Northwestern program after they dismissed Pat Fitzgerald yesterday. Dennis Dodd, college football writer for CBS Sports. DA, CBS Sports Radio.
1: more laughs per capita than any other sports radio show it's da on cbs sports radio ah
2: yes 20 minutes past the hour da with you here on cbs sports radio watch us on youtube full episodes are archived there as well as twitch and at watchda.com we'll talk about the northwestern situation with dennis dodd of CBS Sports, college football writer, coming up in 10 minutes from now. I'm not sure the Northwestern job is a good job. It is in the Big Ten, and it is in Chicago. So you have a massive market, and you have a new football stadium being built, and you have Big Ten money coming in as an established member of the league. There's a lot of millions, tens of millions of dollars that come with that. But high academic rate, High academic institution, harder to get kids in there, no history of real winning, and a place where it's mainly road fans, Wisconsin fans, Ohio State fans, Michigan fans that show up and overtake your building. They've got nice facilities, they have nice coaching facilities, but it's a hard job it is on the right side of the Big Ten now, but I think they're going to do away with the divisions, right? So that's kind of out the door. So it's it's a tough job, and Northwestern really screwed the pooch here because they had an independent firm do an investigation on this and then didn't release the findings and said that they basically didn't think it was that important or that much much to do about nothing. So that. Fitzgerald only ended up getting, what, suspended for two games or two weeks. Instead, they reassess it and realize, oh, wait, you're fired? That's a huge swing. So in terms of getting the next head coach, it's a tough place to recruit. It has no history of real winning. You've got mainly road fans that invade your building all the time, and you're coming off uh, where your legendary coach, hero of the program, has been dismissed quickly and you hid the facts early so that you didn't have to deal with them. All of that lines up to be, even though you got Big Ten money, I think a tough job to take over. Andrew Bogish has headlines.
5: NDA on top of Fitzgerald, we've got Bob Huggins. West Virginia released its latest letter to Huggins' new attorney yesterday. It completely shreds their assertion that Huggins didn't actually resign as basketball coach in mid-June following his DUI arrest in Pittsburgh. The letter provides a play-by-play of events that led to the official announcement of Huggins' resignation. It also has witnesses confirming Huggins told the team and officials that he was stepping down. The home run derby last night, the All-Star game tonight, but the hottest topic in Seattle right now might be Shohei Ohtani's future. We already heard Dusty Baker. Now it's Dodger first baseman Freddie Freeman Wondering what some team might pay Otani this winter. I don't even know
6: what you can pay the man. Um, it's a, He's a unicorn. He's special. I don't even know how to put a
3: number on that.
5: Otani said yesterday his desire to play for a winning team grows every year, which doesn't sound like good news for the Angels. He and Freeman are hitting second in their respective all-star lineups this evening. Righty's Garrett Cole and Zach Gallon, are starting pitchers. Cole has been in the game before but never started it. Last night, 341 total Derby homers, 72 of them. From your winner, Vlad Guerrero Jr., 25 of his, came in the final. Four better than Randy Orozarena. Vlad Jr. following his dad, who won the Derby in San Francisco 16 years ago. They are the first father-son duo to win it. Vegas has chewed up and spit out Victor Webb and Yama gambling debts, overeating at the buffet, and a two for thirteen shooting debut. The Spurs, the number one pick, are simply shutting down for the rest of summer league. And the so, Britney dust up and Britney, so Wemby can recover for the regular season, causing some people to boo him because they were Britney fans. Of course. And people really loved the two for thirteen debut. They're having a field day making fun of him for that. And then he went for twenty three and twelve. Yeah. And we realized oh, he's actually pretty good. Yes. Uh, finally from the WNBA, Elanda Della done out two more weeks after re injuring her left ankle on Sunday was her first game back after missing two games for the initial injury. And now, if you guys let me this time, let's get stunned. Woo-hoo! If we let me.
6: Doesn't take much to surprise this bouncing baby boy.
5: This is honestly the most stunned I have ever been on the show to
6: a news. The D A show is stunned to a
5: news. So, if you love McDonald's and you love another person, and you live in Indonesia, okay, you check can check now check. Combine those two loves. Golden Arches in Indonesia will now cater your wedding for roughly oh. two hundred thirty U S dollars. Really? You can get 100 chicken sandwiches and 104 piece Whoa! nuggets. And 230 is a deal based on the price per item. You can also add on apple pies and chicken fingers but not french fries. Why not french fries? I don't know, there's not a reason given but french fries cannot be subbed in, cannot be added on. There's no deal on fries, but again, for 230, the equivalent of 230 U.S. dollars, a hundred chicken sandos and a hundred four-piece nuggets. Now, that's a steal. That's a steal. It's a steal, but I can't sign off on that being the main course at a wedding. If that's a stand to grab my way out to eat on top of all the drinking and whatnot, that I can understand. But that can't be the main course that you're. Well, McDonald's
6: has already done this here. They catered the Clemson football team's White House visit.
2: Was that McDonald's? It was either McDonald's or Wendy's. It was a fast food joint. You're right. Yeah, I mean, that, but that was the wedding, joke. I guess it wasn't funny. A wedding is interesting yeah, because you do have to get this by the wife. Right. And I'm with Bogues here. I actually think this is a brilliant idea, but it's at the end of the night, mm-hmm. after the open bar, after the yes. dancing. Last hour of the wedding, we've got a hundred chicken sandos or however many you want. A 4 four-piece nugs. Go to town. Have your beer. Have your cocktail. Wrap up for the night. Maybe a little coffee with yeah, Baileys or it's something. It's a nightcap. It's a nightcap.
4: We were actually thinking of doing that at our wedding. Which wedding? Uh, the second <laughs> one. The, 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 the real one. The, the good McDonald's. One. We're doing. They have a truck. <laughs> And oh. you can load it up with McDonald's. Uh, there's Taco Bell. There's a bunch of stuff you can load up yeah. in the truck.
5: It's a new-ish it's a, a new-ish fad to have, like, a food truck Defender. or something waiting for people on their way out. But I never heard of McDonald's. No. I always think that, no offense to McDonald's, I think
2: people think that's beneath their wedding. That if they're going to do the burgers, it's going to be, like, a Five Guys or a local place or sure. something like that.
4: Yeah, for, the, for the money it was... We couldn't justify it because we didn't know how many people would want would grab it.
6: I'm only in on it if they throw in grimace shakes as part of the throwing <laughs> grimace catering. Yeah, give me grimace himself.
4: Want him dancing around there?
6: Give me grimace. Give me his shakes. Give me his. Give me all, all of his stuff.
2: I like this idea. Okay, Bogues, Bilotti, the Bourbon Bell. Would any of our wives have agreed to McDonald's? Chicken sandwiches, not in a truck. Yeah. Just an Indonesian chicken sandwich laid out on a table at some point of the wedding.
5: So I wanna say that my wife would have okayed something like this, maybe not McDonald's, but then again, she did put the kibosh on my suggestion of a fajita like we had a could have had a fajita station nice. during the happy the, the cocktail hour and I was declined that option. Pete?
4: Absolutely not. She would <laughs> she would not want that.
5: But you, you had a truck
2: course. planned. No, we were thinking of it. Yeah.
4: For the post festivities.
2: Right, right. But not for the main course. No, I don't mean the main course. I just mean anywhere at the wedding. So Um if, if you had, if it was a clever station if it was a food truck and it was Mc-
5: serving McDonald's... If
2: it
4: was, a, if it was a clever station or whichever fast food place, yeah, okay.
5: Yeah. My wife prefers Wendy's, so it, I could maybe sell her on some spicy chicken Wendy's sandwiches. Mm. For the amount of time and money that
2: it cost to make sure we had a sailcloth tent versus a normal tent, I could tell you there was no way I was getting McDonald's anywhere near that wedding. But let me <laughs> but let me tell you... No
5: way. The difference was noticeable. <laughs> yes, it was. No, the I don't know what you're talking about. The tent. Oh, (laughs) don't say that. (laughs) Don't say that.
2: (laughs) The tent was remarkably noticeable in the high
5: quality texture and shaping. The shout of, that's Bart Scott, echoed beautifully (laughs) through the tent. I passed the playground.
4: Was there like a playground (laughs) over there? There was.
2: There was a nice little playground be set back near the water. Yeah. All right, so the Pat Fitzgerald dismissal at Northwestern, a pretty seismic change from just before the weekend when Northwestern said, well, he'll be suspended for two weeks during the summer, to, oh, wait, we're going to fire him. That's a pretty massive change, sea change that happened. And why did it happen? Well, joining us this morning on the show is senior college football writer for CBS Sports, CBSSports.com, our friend Dennis Dodd. Dennis, good morning.
3: Whoops! Hey, hey, Da, how are you? I'm good. How you doing? Well, could be better after that bomb drop last night, but you know, it is what it is.
2: So, why do you think that the decision changed so dramatically? Was it the fu- the the reception to the original suspension, or was it new information that came to light? Well, that's the question, isn't it? Um, as I wrote
3: last night, yeah, sure, it's it's a meathead culture here because clearly something happened. We can argue over the degree, but what what got Pat Fitzgerald fired is part of that culture from the administration. On on Friday, they you know kind of put out this release where oh, it's hazing, two weeks without pay, slap our hands together, nothing else to see here. Well, that started the ball rolling because they weren't transparent. Um, they got scooped by the student newspaper. By the way, great reporting by the Daily Northwestern. And all of this, all of it, I, I just think it's—I I don't know—the word is ironic. One play, one former player through all this was on the record. Um, there was a, there was a story yesterday from a player who had played in the late two thousands uh, who said he's still undergoing. Um, I guess, psychiatric treatment from his time there at Northwestern. Everything else is anonymous, and I'm not criticizing it because I think clearly the players were worried about repercussions. But I think the administration has several questions to uh, to answer about this.
2: I agree, and if we start with the administration, it must begin with how they hired a firm to investigate and then hid all of the findings. If this was a public school, it would be made public but via a private institution they could hide it but right. by hiding it they kind of buried themselves didn't they because we had nothing to to counter the accusations against
3: yeah that's it isn't it i mean the the cover-up quote-unquote is always worse than a crime and this isn't this isn't a classic cover-up but being a private institution yes they could do that instead of being transparent and coming clean and listing the reasons why Pat Fitzgerald was suspended. What did they have on him? So it's almost like, in retrospect, it's almost like they struck this sweet spot where, okay, he'll accept this. And now, because they they weren't forthcoming, I personally think that they're on the hook for millions from Pat Fitzgerald, and that's what we were left with. The last thing we saw last night was a statement from Pat Fitzgerald who vaguely said, you know, there's going to be – legal repercussions on this. And I I think they're going to end up owing him um, millions of dollars in salary because, again, if they fired him three days after suspending him, what changed? That's what the administration has to answer.
2: Dennis Dodd, CBS Sports, on the dismissal of Pat Fitzgerald. Pat Fitzgerald is a guy that, from a reputation standpoint, pretty sterling. Maybe not perfect but in terms of college football, hard to find a guy with a cleaner reputation. And then to have these types of accusations confirmed by 11 former or current players that there was an institution of hazing and there was this type of sexualized or nudity-driven type of hazing, how surprised are you that it happened under Fitzgerald, whether he knew about it or not.
3: Shocked. Uh, Full disclosure, he's one of my favorites. Uh, I've loved the guy for years. And look, I'm not the only one in the media and among his peers and just in his players, frankly. I think, you know, obviously we saw that too. Uh, So when this came out, the first thing was, really, we're still doing this Um, in 2023, whether, whether he knew or not. Let's make that clear. We're still doing hazing to this degree, you know, um, you know, in a lot of places, I think a lot of states, a lot of fraternities, they've, they've gotten rid of it. Um, I, I said in my piece, you know, it, it, it there was a point in college football history where we romanticized this. The Junction boys where Bear Bryant almost killed people out in the Texas desert. Um, Frank Cush ended up punching a punter. Um, that got him fired. Woody Hayes was not the most pleasant individual. So, but in these, I guess, I don't want to use the woke times because that's not fair at all. This is common sense stuff. In these times, you just don't do this. What's the point? It's not especially, but you're one in 11. What are you going to get out of it?
2: I have to tell you, when I first read the report and I came on the air yesterday, I was highly skeptical of the accusations for those reasons. I'm like, it's 2023. You're in the leafy suburbs of Chicago. It's one of the best academic institutions in in major football. Pat Fitzgerald has a sterling reputation. They're going to be doing naked hazing? Like, that just seemed like none of that fit. In in modern times, none of that seemed to fit. If it was true, which it feels like it's trending in the direction of at least there is some credibility to this, I mean, is it possible you just totally missed what Northwestern football had been doing and... We should have been looking harder at it. Well, look, in, in the uh, release
3: yesterday, uh, Pre- President Schill still says, um, you know, there was I believe he said there was still no credible evidence that he knew. But I think we're at the point uh, now where he clearly he's been fired. And I think messages he should have known. So I don't even know if that's you know a more, an important discussion point at this point. Because if he didn't know, that raises a whole other set of questions. Why didn't he know? Um, you know, At one point, you had a bunch of players saying it absolutely happened. And the players that sent out the letter, I think it was on Sunday, said it absolutely didn't happen. And by the way, those players were the ones you know, who wrote the letter. Some of them, allegedly, were hazy. So who, who do you believe? But at the end of the day, there was too much smoke uh, for there not to be a fire, I guess, for the administration.
2: You know, is it possible that Fitzgerald didn't know, but kind of knew he was hyper-protected within those walls because he had a lifetime contract, basically. He was a hero because he played there and he led them to three 10-win seasons, which never happens. They've got a new facility coming, a new stadium coming, and that he might have felt like he was protected enough to not have to know what was going on? Yeah, I don't know. I I don't know if I'm willing to go that far. He
3: was never one of those power guys um, that thought, to me, he was never one of those power guys who thought he was untouchable. I mean, to, that was my sense. Um, or you know, I, I can get away with anything. Because, again, look, they're doing this, you know, allegedly in this time frame where he's won, lost 20 out of his last 24 games. You know, it, that was the thing that for a while, Northwestern was finished last in the West. And then they'd play for the Big Ten title you know, every other year. Um, so that's why this is so hard to figure out. The same guy who has played for as many Big Ten titles since 2018 that Jim Harbaugh and Ryan Day, Th- this happened to. That-, that doesn't happen at Ohio State. That doesn't happen at Michigan, uh, at least as far as we know. Why did it happen at Northwestern? That's the big question. Is this a good job? Uh, it is because... Um, he lasted 17 years. He took that program to, again, uh, major bowl games, Big Ten championship games. Uh, it, it's an important job because it is one of those outposts, B.A., where that collegiate ideal still exists, that at least on the surface you can come get a degree, a meaningful degree, be a part of society, and, and play major college athletics. Uh what kind of job is it now? I think that's to be determined, you know, whoever they get for the interim because it's gonna take it may take um, you know, what happened at Baylor to build it back, where they hired an interim and then got you know, got lucky with Matt Rule and, and built it back. So no, it, it it's definitely in it it's definitely a good job. Near near Chicago, um one the school itself is one of the best schools in the country, so
2: yeah. And stable because you know you're in the Big Ten. Yes. You're not going to get whacked out of the Big Ten with expansion or with realignment. And you got Big Ten money coming into you. So you're either the wealthiest conference or the second wealthiest conference based on what year it is and the the TV projections. But so there's a lot of cash to be had if you're the head coach to use for your facilities yep. and resources at Northwestern, isn't there?
3: Yeah. Well, look what look at the uh, football facility. Arguably, the best in the country is so good they call it the Fitz Carlton. Um, and some have criticized that, you know, the the, the outsized athletic pursuits of Northwestern. No, I, I thought it was great. I've been to it. It's amazing. Um, why wouldn't you want to play there again and get, and get a meaningful degree? By the way, I've got another question, uh, rhetorical question. Why shouldn't every player and recruit be allowed to enter the transfer portal right now? I think it's on the NCAA now to, to do something like that. Yeah. Um, you, you You've got to. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Given what happened, you've got to.
2: Yeah, I think that's fair.
3: Um, so I think we'll, we'll see something like that pretty soon.
2: I really enjoyed your piece at com from last night about how this represents a meathead culture that, that really needs to be eradicated from football, college football, especially because now the game is being pushed forward almost against its own will with paying players and modernization yeah. and everything like that. So, do you think this lights a light bulb on a lot of ads, presidents, or head coaches about trying to eradicate that type of stuff if it's still happening?
3: Uh, you're talking about hazing.
2: Yeah, like and 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 those types yeah. of like intimidating practices with young yeah. players or things like that.
3: I, you know, I think so. Again, I think this one because of the details, I would hope it's an outlier. I hope this doesn't go on, but but there is that mentality. Going back to the Junction Boys, you have to suffer through this to prove you're one of us, to prove you belong on the team. There are many, many, many coaches who know how to evaluate players without abusing them, and that's that's the problem. Um, so will it send a message? I, I thought the message had been sent. You know, th- again, this doesn't happen at Alabama. Um, they have the best facilities and the best of every best food, everything. But you work under, hard under Nick Saban, but Nick Saban knows how, you know, the coach without abusing guys like this, um, and other coaches do too. So, my sense in answering that question is, I, I think to me, this is an outlier.
2: Yeah. But check out the piece CBS Sports dot com under the college football tab. But it's also on the main page right now about how this culture has permeated the game at the highest levels in. Really, this should be the last warning sign that it's got to be gone by Dennis Dodd, senior writer for CBS Sports. Okay, Dennis, next time we talk, we'll, we'll talk about the season itself. We'll talk about some good stuff, and we'll do some college football, okay?
3: That that would be great. That would be very pleasant.
2: Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks for Thanks, thanks for doing to this you. today. You got it. Thank All you, right, Dennis. Man. Dennis Dodd joining us this morning on the show. And like I said, yesterday I was – Incredibly skeptical of this report and of the accusations because I just assumed, perhaps incorrectly, that in 2023, there is everybody's antenna up for stuff that can get you in trouble. It is plausible that Northwestern felt like it could ba- maybe hide under the radar because it's Northwestern football. They went 1-11 last year, 3-win team two years ago. It's only Northwestern and perhaps... Pat Fitzgerald was so popular and so powerful that, you know, things could slide between the cracks maybe, but I would also say if anybody in 2023 thinks that a, you're getting more out of players, if there's nudity based hazing or B think that that's not going to be eventually called to the carpet and you're going to be exposed for being stuck in a bygone era and a dysfunctional era, let's face it. I, I think there are ways to coach hard still. I think it's harder. I think it's way harder. But I still think there's ways to do it. But what's clearly over the line these days is anytime there's a sexualization of it, by making somebody naked, if this is what happened, you're you're making them vulnerable and embarrassed. That's the only point in making somebody uh, naked, whether it's done by coaches or done by players. And if you don't know that stuff is happening, then you're really out to lunch, and you deserve repercussions as well.
6: Yeah, and I'm not even trying to be funny here, Da. Like I would, I would love to know how that goes down in the locker room, where the group of upperclassmen tell a freshman or a sophomore. Or when the first reporting came out, it was if they made a mistake in in a, in a practice or a game, they would be punished with these sexual hazing. Like, yeah, all right, sure, man. I'll I'll do the naked slingshot, and maybe maybe we win two games next year. Like, how does that how does that allow to go on with you know
2: young grown men? It's very weird. I mean, I, I I know that the idea is you're building camaraderie, culture, accountability. And when somebody makes a mistake, okay, we're gonna use this as a teaching moment, but also to, you know, embarrass them a little bit so they don't want to do it again, but also to make it kind of a fun thing so that we're all in this together. There is an element to hazing that was supposed to be bond creation. But when it goes to this type of stuff, which is just so weird, clearly you're not doing that anymore. When we come back here on the show, to the Blazers owe Lillard Better, DA, CBS Sports Radio? Happy Being Alive Day, the DA show on CBS Sports Radio. Ah, yes. It's a Trash Tuesday. We'll get to our trashes coming up here in about 30 minutes. Get to your trashes coming up in the final hour of the program as well. And the DA show is available on your phone. Use the CBS Sports app or the Odyssey app to listen to us on the go. So the Blazers have Damian Lillard on the shopping block, if you will. They are apparently listening to offers, but they have not been bowled over enough to trade him yet. And... They say they would still like Damian Lillard to be part of the franchise.
1: Dame badly, badly wants to win. And he's probably being more vocal about that than ever, but I don't look at that as a negative. He's challenging us to get it done, which I think is more than fair, and he's earned that.
2: So that is GM of the Blazers, Joe Cronin. He says that he is willing to wait months to make sure that the Blazers do best in trading Lillard. And it's only July, and taking months could mean into the fall, into the season, and that kind of leaves a franchise icon twisting in the wind. At the end of the day, though, I don't think they owe Damian Lillard more than that. And I know that There's been this narrative created that Lillard's been almost held hostage against his will in Portland and finally had the stones to speak up. And now he's finally allowing himself to, I am Dame, hear me roar. But I just don't view it that way. This is a guy that's making a lot of money, willingly signed an extension, has no trade clause, didn't just want to be dealt anywhere, clearly wanted to make it work in Portland for a long time. And now has said, okay, time has run out, which is fine. You're still under contract. I'd prefer that if you waited until the end of the contract to say this, but it is what it is. This happens all over the place around the NBA. But that doesn't mean that the Blazers have to move today if they think there's a better deal out there two months from now. And there probably is a better deal two months from now. I think as we get into the season or creep closer to the season is when you start getting GMs more antsy. And coach is more antsy saying, well, we got something here. And if we traded for Dame, who knows? Or we don't have something here. We really need Dame. So I would imagine the only decent package put together is from the Miami Heat. And you feel like at least we'd like to see if there's anything else out there waiting to see. Who does that hurt? There's no games being played right now. If this lasted into the middle of the season and it's clearly distracting to the to the franchise and Lillard's miserable and the whole thing is sinking okay that's one thing Joe Cronin and the Blazers don't have to trade him in early July they don't have to trade him in early August they don't have to trade him in early September if they need to wait until the start of the season to do so so be it I don't think that's unfair